Welcome to the Grind It Podcast. You know, life can be such a grind at times, and so we're here sharing God's Word with you to encourage you to keep grinding and to not give up. It's time to grind. So here's the host of the Grind It Podcast, the old school skateboarder himself, Randall Tucker. Welcome to the Grind It Podcast. Today we're going to start breaking down Luke chapter 22. We're almost finished with the book of Luke and we are at the point of where things get heavy. It gets really tough for Jesus because uh, in Luke 22, things take a turn for the worse. He, he knows that he is here on a mission. He knows, Jesus knows that he is carrying out the Father's will and the Father's will is for him to die as a once and for all sacrifice for our sins, the sins that we committed, not the sins that Jesus committed because he never committed any sin. But he had to die on the cross so that we can be reconciled or be made friends again with God. Jesus knew that he was the only way that that, that God's wrath would be appeased, if you will. And, and so Luke 22 is the turning point for Jesus and his disciples. It is very very heavy. Um, in just a few days, Jesus is going to be beaten beyond recognition, as Isaiah 52 says. He's going to be hung on a cross for six hours, mocked by people who once believed in him, who sung his praises, and then he's going to die after hanging on a cross for six hours and struggling to breathe, and then uh, he'll be buried. And for the disciples, it's going to be a nightmare because they did not understand. They, they, they didn't, even though Jesus tried to tell them several times, and they had the Old Testament scriptures and the prophecies, they just didn't get it. They didn't understand. And, and so to them, uh, this is, this is going to, it's just going to be a nightmare. Um, for uh, three days, they're going to be living a, a total horrific nightmare uh, locked up in a room and wondering are they going to be next what's going to happen next what is going on they're trying to figure this thing out until Jesus comes out of the tomb on the third day and, and Mary goes back and tells them that he is alive but this is absolutely a nightmare situation for these disciples until Jesus comes out alive and shows himself to them over the next 40 days. So this chapter, Luke 22, it starts off with some really deep stuff, like I said, and it starts off with the religious leaders. How about that? I mean, they, they just constantly keep popping up when Jesus is around and they're wanting to question Jesus. Uh, but these men, these religious leaders, they are supposed to be the godly examples. They're supposed to be pointing people to the Messiah. And here's the Messiah standing before them, before their very eyes, and they're arguing with him. They're, they're, they're looking for ways to kill him. And even here, they're, they're plotting uh, for a way to kill him. And they had even told the people that if, he, if Jesus comes into Jerusalem, that they better come and report it because they want to arrest Jesus, the one who had done no wrong. He has only done anything but good. He has helped people. He showed grace. He showed mercy. He's healed people, raised people from dead. He's done all these great things. And yet they hated him because he exposed their hypocrisy. 
In verses 1 through 6, Luke writes this. Uh, the festival of the unleavened bread, which is also called Passover, was approaching, and the, le the leading priests and the teachers of religious law were plotting how to kill Jesus, but they were afraid of the people's reaction. Keep that in mind. It's, that's a, a key point right there. They, they were afraid of the people's reaction. Then Satan entered into Judas Iscariot, who was one of the twelve disciples, and he went to the leading priests and the captains of the temple guard to discuss the best way to betray Jesus to them. And they were delighted... And they promised to give him money, 33 pieces of silver, which was another prophecy that was fulfilled. So Judas agreed and he began looking for an opportunity to betray Jesus so they could arrest him, listen to this, when the crowds were not around. They didn't want to do it in front of the crowds because they feared the crowd. So they were looking to scheme when the crowds weren't around. They could work behind the scenes and, and, and accomplished their goal, which was to arrest Jesus and, and, and kill him. Is what they, they wanted to commit murder. These godly, supposedly godly men, these religious leaders. So if you go back to Exodus chapter 12, you can learn of the Passover's uh, beginning and, and, and how uh, the, the God's people, the Hebrew people, were in, were in Egyptian bondage, and God uses Mer uh, Mer <laughs> God uses Moses and Aaron to go to Pharaoh to lead the people out of Egypt, and 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 Moses does some things, performs some miracles to try to persuade Pharaoh. Pharaoh keeps saying no, and 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 then at one point toward the end. God says, okay, here's one that they're not going to be able to top. And, and, and what's going to happen is God is going to send his, a death angel through Egypt. And the death angel is going to creep through the land. And he would kill the firstborn of every household unless when the death angel passed by a certain house... If he saw the blood of a sacrificed lamb, he would pass over that house. And anybody that was in that house was uh, protected. Um, here's God's instructions uh, to the people, the Hebrew people, uh, in, in Exodus chapter 12. It says about the Passover. While the Israelites were still in the land of Egypt, the Lord gave the following instructions to Moses and Aaron. From now on, this month will be the first month of the year for you. Announced to the whole community of Israel that on the tenth day of this month, each family must choose a lamb or a young goat for a sacrifice, one animal for each household. If a family is too small to eat a whole animal, let them share with another family in the neighborhood. Divide the animal according to the size of each family and how much they can eat. And the animal you select must be one-year-old male, either a sheep or a goat, with no defects. It could not have any blemishes. You couldn't get rid of your junk. God wanted their best. Verse 6, take special care of this chosen animal until the evening of the 14th day of this first month. So they were, they were to get to know the animal. They would The kids would uh, fall in love, basically, with this animal. It would be like their pet. And God says, the whole assembly of the community of Israel must slaughter their lamb or young goat at twilight. This one they've come to love. Now they've got to kill it. And they are to take some of the blood and smear it on the sides and the top of the door frames of the houses where they eat the animal. That's crucial. That same night, they must roast the meat over fire and eat it along with bitter salad greens and bread made without yeast. Do not eat any of the meat raw or boiled in water. 
The whole animal, including the head, legs, and internal organs, must be roasted over a fire. Do not leave any of it until the next morning. Burn whatever is not eaten before morning. These are your these are your instructions for eating this meal. Be fully dressed. Wear your sandals. Carry your walking stick in your hand. In other words, be ready to go. Be ready to go because he knows that Pharaoh is going to say, the people can go, just get out of here. So he's, he's saying, you be ready to go. Eat the meal with urgency, for this is the Lord's Passover. On that night, I will pass through the land of Egypt and strike down every firstborn son and firstborn male animal in the land of Egypt. I will execute judgment against all the gods, that's little g, the false gods of Egypt, for I am the Lord. But the blood on your doorpost will serve as a sign marking the houses where you are staying. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. The plague of death will not touch you when I strike the land of Egypt. This is a day to remember. Each year from generation to generation, you must celebrate it as a special festival to the Lord. This is a law for all time. For seven days the bread you must you must you must eat. On the first day of the festival, let's say, for the seven days the bread you eat must be made without yeast. On the first day of the festival, remove every trace of yeast from your homes, because that's a representative of sin. 11. Anyone who eats bread made with yeast during the seven days of the festival will be cut off from the community of Israel. On the first day of the festival, and again on the seventh day, all the people must observe an official day for a holy assembly. No work of any kind may be done on these days except in the preparation of food. And this is what's going on when Jesus is in Jerusalem. He's, it's time for this feast of unleavened bread or Passover. Uh, he says, Celebrate this festival of unleavened bread, for it will remind you that I brought your forces out of the land of Egypt on this very day. This festival will be a permanent law for you. Celebrate this day from generation to generation. The bread you eat must be made without yeast from the eating of the 14th day of the first month until the eating of the 21st day of that month. During those seven days, there must be no trace of yeast in your house. Anyone who eats anything made with yeast during this week will be cut off from the community of Israel. These regulations apply both to the foreigners living among you and to the native-born Israelites. During those days, you must not eat anything made with yeast. Wherever you live, eat only bread made without yeast. Then Moses called the elders of Israel together and said to them, Go pick out a lamb or young goat for each of your families and slaughter the Passover animal. Drain the blood into a basin, then take a bundle of hyssop branches and dip it into the blood. Brush the hyssop across the top of the sides of the door frames of your houses, and no one may go out through the door until morning. Why? Because they'll die. For the Lord will pass through the land to strike down the Egyptians, but when he sees the blood on the top and the sides of the door frame, the Lord will pass over your home. He will not permit his death angel to enter your house and strike you down. Why? Because of the blood. Remember these instructions are a permanent law that you and your descendants must observe forever. When you enter the land the Lord has promised to give you, you will continue to observe this ceremony. Then your children will ask, what does this ceremony mean? And you will reply, it is the Passover sacrifice to the Lord. For he passed over the houses of the Israelites in Egypt. And though he struck the Egyptians, he spared our families. And when Moses had finished speaking, all the people bowed to the ground and worshipped. So the people of Israel did just as the Lord had commanded through Moses and Aaron. And that night at midnight, the Lord struck down all the firstborn sons of the land of Egypt, from the firstborn son of Pharaoh 
who sat on his throne to the firstborn son of the prisoner in the dungeon. Even the firstborn of their livestock were killed. Pharaoh and all his officials and all the people of Egypt woke up during the night and loud wailing was heard through the land of Egypt. There was not a single house where someone had not died. Why? Because they didn't have the instructions of the Lord. It was for the Hebrew people. And the he- and God's taking care of his people by giving them the instructions to sacrifice this lamb or this goat and then take the blood and put it take the hyssop and dip it in the blood and put it on the doorposts on the outside and stay inside the house and when the death angel passes through he when he sees the blood he will pass over that house and everybody is safe so i, I just want to say this and i want to point out a few things you know god's timing is absolutely amazing throughout scripture these religious leaders they thought they were in control they thought they had power over jesus and yet god the whole time was working everything in accordance to his will and to his timing first corinthians 5 7 says that christ our passover lamb has been sacrificed for us so at the same time the passover lamb was being sacrificed for the Hebrew as a remembrance of the Passover meal and what God had done for them uh, in past times, uh, Jesus, our Passover lamb, was being sacrificed at the same exact time. Jesus, our Passover lamb, would be killed for our deliverance from sin. It's truly, truly amazing how God worked all this out in the perfect timing. And, 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 and look who's in on this. Not, not only the religious leaders are wanting Jesus dead, but the leading priests, the one who, uh, who carry out the religious duties for God and are worshiping God and are making sacrifices on the behalf of the people and to God. They want to kill God himself. Jesus, God in the flesh. And, and what's even more surprising than the priests being involved in it is Judas Iscariot. Judas Iscariot was a man who Jesus literally handpicked to be in his 12, his inner core of, of friends. A man who Jesus gave the power to go and preach into the villages ahead of him. And, and, and while he was there preaching, he could work miracles to back up the words that he was preaching that the kingdom of God is near. This is a man who had the power to cast out demons. He he had given uh, he, he had been given the responsibility as the treasurer for the group and and he was stealing money the whole time. And yet Jesus never condemned him one time. Jesus did no wrong toward this man. He he was constantly stealing money. And, and and now he is looking for a way to betray this man who has done nothing but good for people. And this man who has never condemned Judas not one time for stealing money. And when Judas comes to betray him with a kiss, Jesus calls him friend. And and even when and when they were in the upper room in John thirteen, Jesus washed the disciples' feet. Well, guess who was in that room? Judas. Judas was not rejected by Jesus. Not until uh, they dipped their bread together into the bowl and Jesus 
didn't condemn him then. He just said, go and do what you have to do. And, and the, the disciples even then were really confused. And so, I just want to... Uh, I just want to share a few things uh, from these these verses, a few thoughts, and then uh, we'll we'll move on. Uh, the first thing I want to share is this: be careful who you trust. Be careful who you trust. Now, I I my type of personality, uh, I I I trust anybody and everybody way too much. Uh, I, I take things that they say uh, to heart, and I take things that they say at face value, and and I just, I just trust them. I I, I, I trust that they're a, a people of their word, and they're going to do what they say they're going to do. Or they're not going to do what they say they're not going to do. Um, that and I, I've gotten burnt and burnt and burnt and burnt all through my life. Um, and here's Jesus. Jesus was not surprised. At what Judas was going to do. He knew the whole time that Judas would betray him. But yet he allowed him into his inner circle. He allowed him to partake of the preaching about the kingdom. He allowed him to partake of the healing of, of sicknesses and diseases and casting out demons this whole time. But the first thing that I want to mention is be careful who you trust. Be careful who you let in your inner circle. You know, you can have a lot of friends. And, it, and it's great to be friends with everybody. And, and, it's, and it's great to get along with everybody, if at all possible. But you don't have to let them into your inner circle. You don't have to let them, you know, close to your heart. You can kind of keep them at arm's distance. Be careful who you trust because they could be a wolf in sheep's clothing like Judas. The second thing that I want to point out, and I, when I'm, saying what I'm going to say, I'm thinking uh, specifically about the leading priests. The leading priests should have been focusing on their duties, their religious duties, and, 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 and making sacrifices. And, and, and what I have written in my notes is this, focus on God's word. God's will, because, well... Let me say that again. Focus on God's word. Focus on God's will because the minute you lose focus, you can be tempted to sin. And that's exactly what's going on with these leading priests. They, they, they have gotten their mind and their attention and their focus off of the sacrifices and off their duties at the temple. And they have turned their attention to Jesus, who they think is a blasphemer. Because he claims to be from God and he's working these miracles and people are getting the attention to Jesus and not to them. And so they want him they want him dead. So their focus gets off of what it should be and, and they get their focus on getting rid of this guy who claims to be from God. So focus on God's word. Focus on God's will. And try to keep your focus there because the minute we lose focus then the temptation to sin creeps in. The third thing I want to share with you is this. and In particular, I'm thinking about Judas. No matter how much we try to influence people and share Jesus with them, they're going to do their own thing and choose sin. I mean, think about Judas. He spent three to three and a half years 
with Jesus, had the power to preach the gospel, had the power to, uh, to work miracles, to cast out demons. He saw Jesus do all of these great things, including raise the dead. But it wasn't enough to influence Judas. Even if he betrayed Jesus, and he did betray Jesus, he had the opportunity to repent and come back and say, look, I'm sorry I've done this terrible thing. Please forgive me. Jesus would have welcomed him back with open arms. He would have forgiven him with no problem. But as far as we know, Judas never did that. In fact, he went out uh, uh, because of his guilt. His guilty conscience got to him. He goes out and he hangs himself. The closest thing we have to any kind of repentance is him throwing the money back to the religious leader saying that he didn't want that dirty money. But no matter how much we try to influence people and share Jesus with them, sometimes they're going to choose to do their own thing and they're going to choose to sin. They're not going to choose Jesus. But on the flip side of that, though, on the flip side of that thought, Jesus knew Judas was going to betray him. He knew Judas was stealing money, as I said a while ago, from the disciples. And never one time did Jesus condemn him. He continued to minister to him. And he continued to love him. And we can do the same thing. We can continue to show grace and mercy and compassion and be long-suffering, as we talked about a few uh, podcasts ago. Um, But sometimes we have to realize we're just throwing our pearls before the swine and we're wasting our time. A fifth thing that I want to share with you is this. Sinful people will delight in your downfall. Sinful people will delight and your downfall. Listen to what Luke says about the religious leaders when Judas agreed to help them to, to, to arrest Jesus and knowing that they're going to be able to crucify Jesus. It says, Luke says that they were delighted and they promised to give him money. So he agreed and began looking for an opportunity to, to betray Jesus so they could arrest him when the crowds weren't around. The religious leaders were delighted because they knew and just just a matter of time before they 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 have been able to infiltrate Jesus's little group of 12 men they have they have been able to to turn one against Jesus and they're thinking they have the power and they have the control now and they're going to be able to get this done but what they don't understand that this is God's will and God's allowing it to happen and Jesus himself is allowing it to happen why Jesus told Pilate he says you don't have any authority over me you have no power over me except for what the father gives you and but these religious leaders uh, Luke says they were delighted because they were uh, they were going to have their opportunity to get what they've been wanting to get for three years and that's to arrest Jesus and to have him killed the sixth thing I want to point out from these scriptures is this most sin, not all sin, but most sin is done in secret. Or it's at least planned in secret. The religious leaders chose not to arrest Jesus in public because they feared the crowd. And when Judas came along and said that he would help them, Luke says that, that uh, Judas agreed and began looking for an opportunity to betray Jesus so they could arrest him when the crowds were not around. Most sin. Most sin, if not all sin, is either done in secret or it's planned in secret. 
Isaiah 29:15. Woe to those who deeply hide their plans from the Lord and whose deeds are done in a dark place. And they say, who sees us or who knows us? Well, let me tell you something. You don't hide anything from God. He sees all. He knows all. He knows what we're going to say before we even say it, before the thought even enters our mind, our mouth. Ezekiel 8, 12. Then he said to me, Son of man, do you see what the elders of the house of Israel are committing in the dark? Each man in the room of his carved images. For they say, The Lord does not see us. The Lord has forsaken the land. The elders of Israel were committing sin in the dark, thinking that nobody saw what they were doing. But the Lord saw everything. Here's one from the New Testament, John 3.20. For everyone who does evil hates the light and does not come to the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. In other words, they, they, we do these evil deeds, these sinful deeds in the darkness. And we don't come to the light because light exposes. That's why you're able to see me while I'm talking to you in this video. You can see what's behind me because the light has exposed it. But if I turned off this light, it would be so dark in here, you wouldn't be able to see me, nor would you be able to see this stuff that is behind me on the wall. Because men love darkness because the darkness, we think, hides our sinful activities. But God sees it all. And a good passage to read for that is Psalm 139. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 11, Paul writes this, Do not participate. And the unfruitful deeds of darkness, but instead even expose them. The issue with the religious leaders and with Judas is simply this. It's a heart problem. Even though they served God, the priests and the religious leaders and Judas, even though they served God and they were going through the religious ceremonies, their hearts were far from God. Far from God. Judas shows his true heart uh, the whole time when he's stealing money from the disciples. And when he's at the table eating the Passover meal, as we're going to see in the next podcast, he's exposed by Jesus to where his true heart really lied. And that was in doing evil. Now, as I end this podcast, we just had... Another tragedy in uh, a mass murder as an 18-year-old gunman uh, goes into a school and shoots uh, 19 children, innocent children, and two teachers. And Well, I think he shot others. 19 died, two teachers died, so 21 total for no reason. But the reason... You know, people. I, I see people on social media, and they they say, "Why is this happening?" I got people messaging me, "Why is God allowing this to happen?" Please explain this to me. Why things like this keep happening? Why? How can somebody walk into a grocery store and just start shooting people dead? Uh, how can people walk into a church building and just start shooting people dead that they don't even know? These people have done nothing to them. It's just they go in and kill innocent people. This is the three things that has happened in the past week or two. And 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 people are you know we got to have gun control and we got to have this law and that law. Let me tell you something. You can pass all the laws that you want, but until you change the heart, until people turn to God 
and allow the Holy Spirit into their hearts and allow Jesus Christ to wash their souls clean and, and, and to live for God and have a change of heart, things like this are going to continue to happen on a daily, on a weekly, on a monthly basis. And it's only going to get worse. And, it, and, and what we're seeing is the fruit or the consequences of taking God out of everything. We fought tooth and nail to take God out of everything, including our classrooms and our schools when kids were young, and prayer, and we fight. To, to, if anybody tries to say a prayer at a ball game, it can't do that. It can't lead a prayer. It's just, this is what the results are when you take God out of everything. Put God back in everything and turn to God. I mean, the Bible says, Paul says that the Old Testament is a schoolmaster. It's our tutor. We can go back and read the Old Testament and see how God had chosen the Hebrew people, the Israelites, and he had blessed them and he had brought them into this land that flows with milk and honey and yet they turned from God and turned to these false gods, just like God had told them not to do. And they're doing the, they, they just like, they're like, I don't want anything to do with you, God. I want these gods that I can physically see, these little idols that I can worship. And because they they done that, God sends these prophets in and warns them, warns them, and warns them. He says, destruction is coming unless you repent. Well, they didn't repent. They didn't turn back to God. And so God allowed the Babylonians to come in, Israel's enemy, and wipe Israel off the face of the earth, including destroying the temple that, that Solomon had built. And the land sat desolate for 70 years, and then God allowed them to go back and rebuild. And then eventually Jesus would come and die on the cross for our sins. But learn a lesson from Israel. Go back and study it. Anybody who turns their back on God is is in is is they're heading down a very dangerous dark path and there's going to be consequences that will follow those choices and those actions if they continue on the path to sin and we're seeing that on the news almost on a weekly basis now it's a heart problem, just like it was with this with these religious leaders and these priests and Judas. They they did not want any part of Jesus, who was God in the flesh, who did nothing but good. And 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 it's a here we are over two thousand years later, and we're having the same issue. People are fighting tooth and nail against Jesus, the one who died. To, on a cross to save their soul from the pits of hell. And we reject him because we want to live any way that we want to live. And then we want to cry when we see, you know, in our, not cries and cry, but cry and rage and get angry and get mad at God and blame God. And why is God allowing this to happen? It's because we chose to turn our backs on God. And until we repent, and turn back to God and live for Jesus and allow the Holy Spirit to guide our lives on a daily basis, it's going to get worse. Because evil is here. People choose sin because their hearts 
are empty. It, they're wicked and they're without God. They have a heart problem. It, it, if you want to see change, it starts with you and me. And our hearts have to be right in the sight of God. Our hearts have to be washed in the blood of Jesus. And just like those, those Hebrew people when they were in Egypt with the Passover, if we don't have the heart, if, we, if our hearts are not washed in the blood of Jesus Christ, that death angel is going to come one day. And, and, and we're going to die. And if we're not washing the blood of Jesus Christ, we're going to be cast into hell, separated from God for eternity, never to have a second opportunity. But if our hearts are washed in the blood of Jesus Christ, that death angel is going to pass over, and Jesus is going to welcome us into heaven, and he's going to say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thank you for choosing me. Thank you for choosing the sacrifice that I made for you. Why would anybody want to reject somebody like Jesus? He showed nothing but love and compassion and grace and mercy, but yet people continue to reject him and don't want to have anything to do with him. I, 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 don't, I don't get it. I don't understand it. But we do it. What about you? Do not reject our Passover lamb. Do not be like Judas and reject Jesus. Don't be like these religious leaders. Don't be like these, these priests and reject Jesus. Accept Him as your Lord and Savior today and make a change. Because if, if, if who knows who you could impact if you would give your life to Jesus Christ and follow Him today. You can impact your friends and your family, your neighbors, your co-workers. You can impact so many people in a positive way. And you can make a change if you would give your life to Jesus Christ today. If I can help you do that, if I can help you understand any questions that you may have about the Bible, about Jesus, about God's Word, please email me at thegrinditpodcast at gmail.com. God bless you. Thank you for listening. We'll pick up with Luke 22 in the next podcast. Hope to uh, join you then. Keep grinding. Thank you for listening to The Grinded Podcast today. May God bless you. If you have any comments or questions, you can email them to us at thegrinditpodcast at gmail.com. If you would like Randy to come and speak at your church or your next event, you can contact him through that same email address. Also, I would like to thank Jody Foster's Army, also known as JFA, for their song, Abba, as we use for our intro and our outro off their untitled 1984 album. May God bless you, and remember, keep your eyes on Jesus and keep grinding.